from Newfoundland to California, Idaho to Florida. They've got the latest in AA hockey on the Coast Cast. Here are Matthew Harding and Zachary Martin. have teased it long enough but the coast cast is alive and well thank you very much for checking us out episode number one here with you on september 7th opening night of the national football league but of course you're watching that and listening to this wherever you catch your favorite podcast it is matthew harding and zach martin zach thank you so much for doing this man pumped to do this new chapter of the echl podcast with you how you doing my friend no, I'm doing good. And, hey, thank you for the invite. No, it's it's really exciting. I know when you first reach out to me, it's like, hey, let's talk about it. And I'm like, why not? So no, <laughs> I just appreciate you giving me the shout just to be like, hey, let's go, let's do, let's do a podcast about the ECHL because frankly, there's not enough. So right. no, I'm just, I'm just honored to be part of this thing. So yeah. thank thank you for the invite. <laughs> yeah, not a problem, not a problem at all. And uh, how are you doing, by the way? <laughs> uh, you know. I'm doing okay. I got a solid workout in on on Thursday. had a had a nice meal with my wife before we sat down to do the podcast. We have a great interview with Kyle Mountain, the assistant coach of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, coming up in a little bit. I'm really good. I'm really good. Uh, it's been, um, you know, when you go three three and a half months without doing a podcast, you kind of get the itch to go back and do it again and. Um, you know, we, we've put this off a couple of different times because I had COVID and ended up having to work and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good to, it's good to finally get sat down and, and to, to get the podcast going. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It's been, it's been a process for us and I just trying to get the name logos, just everything getting to go. And honestly, perfect timing for Kyle to, you know, get appointed by Greenville, Great conversation with him. I th- I think everyone's gonna love this interview with him. Yeah. Great guy. It's just it's luckily for me, I still do another podcast. So I've I've been in podcast mode for like the last I don't know how many months now, outside like <laughs> yeah. a few breaks here and there. But yeah. no, but just being able to sit down and I guess do a league wide podcast because like, because I'm just so used to doing like my specific team for the NHL. Now we're doing a whole league thing. Yeah, it's it's very exciting because like like I said, you don't really see a lot of ECHL podcasts, mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of cool. Just that fact that us here at Field Pass can provide a little extra outlet for fans who wanted just to get news just outside of the, just their team or what they read. So yeah. it's very cool the fact that we can give them an outlet in a yes. sense and be able to talk to people within the league, within the industry too, yeah. which I think is going to be very exciting for everyone. So first episode of many here yes. at Coastcast. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so excited, man. I'm just so amped. I've been, I've been looking forward to this all day. Be like, yeah. all right, first episode, let's get after it. Cause yes. I mean, why not? It's, we're talking hockey, man. That, that's we're, right. We're so close to hockey being back. That's like, right. Be excited. <laughs> Six weeks away now that we have college. And, and I usually look at, at my excitement for the season um, when college football starts and now we have the NFL underway as of Thursday night and we'll have a full slate of games this weekend. So now I can actually get six or seven weeks of football watching. Soon by the both of us and (laughs) everyone at field pass. Yeah. And that's not even outside of our NHL teams too. Now we got the ECHL, AHL, SPHL and everything else too. So yeah, it's just, yes. It's it's almost that time. Just nothing but hockey, hockey, and hockey for That's the next right. few months. That's right. That's right. We have 
uh, a lot of news to catch you up on here on this edition of the podcast. And uh, again, a talk uh, with uh, Kyle Mountain, assistant coach of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits that you'll hear coming up in just a few minutes. But I want to start by um, talking about this new uh, venture that we're in with the Hockey Podcast Network. And we do want to give a shout out to uh, Dylan Kaiser and to Kyle Manifold uh, for uh, bringing us on. It'll be every one of the uh, active Field Pass podcasts. So our friends over on the AHL side of the house with the Holy Grail podcast will be a part of the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Rolling Thunder podcast uh, will be part of the uh, Hockey Podcast Network, and so we're really excited about that. Uh, and uh, you know, we we know that you'll love the Coastcast. Uh, we we want you to hit the like button on YouTube for the when the videos come out. We want to hit you. We want to get you to hit the download button, uh, and so um, more of more downloads and more interaction with us is always good for the show. And uh, huge thanks to our friends at the Hockey Podcast Network for making this happen. Uh, one of the big things that we did other than launch this podcast over the summer. Yeah, no, it's it's very awesome to join these guys. I know um, it, it's very exciting to join a network that's so dedicated to hockey and the fact yeah. that you've got so many podcasts for so many teams. And even then, like we got there, I know they have a college hockey podcast and even Terry Ryan from Shorzy has his own podcast on the nice. network too. So, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's crazy how huge this, because I remember when this network first started back in like, I think like late 2017 mm-hmm. to where they're at now, just for us, the coast cast and Holy Grail and rolling thunder to join such a, a great network. Yeah. Could be more excited and, you know, joining, you know, joining my other podcast that also just joined this network too. Yeah. So it's being part of TPHN is, it's, it's a great experience and I'm looking forward to just our, mutual relationship with these guys moving forward at field passing THPN. So it's going to be a good time. <laughs> like you said, a lot has gone down this summer just for us getting this thing off. the. Yes. It's, it's been a process. It's it been a process, been. but, it, but honestly, so worth it. I'm just glad that we're finally here to get this, get, get this rolling and yeah. have a good time. Just talking about the best double a league <laughs> in the, in the world, not even just North America in the world. That's so right. That's we'll right. Go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We will. Uh, go with that. So let's go ahead and uh, dive in here to some of the major news that uh, came out over this summer uh, in the ECHL. And um, if you were under a rock, and I probably was because it was around the time that I was out of the country, but the NA, but the ECHL uh, wrapped up their um, annual governor's meetings in Las Vegas uh, in late June and made some amendments to the rule book. Um, and we'll get into the fighting, uh, coming up here in just a few moments, but, um, one of the bigger rule changes I think deals with, uh, player safety. And, and we've seen this a couple of times, at least when I was watching, uh, Wichita Thunder games last year, uh, where a player would get its helmet knocked off and then, um, you know, probably and play the puck uh, while they didn't have their helmet on, uh, and, uh, the made the motion of trying to put it back on, but still played it, played the puck, and then was assessed a penalty. So, what the league did uh, is they went in and amended the rule to say that if your helmet comes off in the course of a play, you can be assessed a penalty unless the you exit the playing surface or you put your helmet back on with the chin butt and you can leave the chin strap unfastened. 
So it's mm-hmm. not completely back on and bolted onto the head, but it's on enough f- so that you can complete the play. Um, I think this is a, clearly this is a this is a, uh, in the face of of player safety. This is a great thing for for player safety and and in that second thought, Zach, I think it it does a lot to not make losing a piece of your paraphernalia on the ice as impactful as it was last year. Yeah, no, for sure. I think because if you look what the AHL is doing, like like if you lose your helmet, you completely have to stop and get off the ice. Mm-hmm. I think the ECHL has done a, a nice middle ground, like where you said it's not it's not so drastic, but there is still some urgency to get it done. So that way you're that way you're not assessed a penalty. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good middle ground to where it's not get off the ice or you get penalty or you get penalized. At least it's like okay, if you at least get the helmet back on, you're good to go. So I think. I'm very interested to see how it works out throughout the season and just see what it's like during actual gameplay. Because on paper, it sounds good. It sounds good on paper. Mm-hmm. Seeing it in game action is going to be one thing too, and especially I'm curious to see how the refs are going to call it. Because yeah. who? Because that's because it also sounds like a very big judgment call too. Of like, okay, yeah. it's a player action. Am I seeing the player actually do it, or am I assuming he's not going to do it? So. Like I said, it sounds good on paper, but I think it's there's going to be some trial and error. Mm-hmm. I think for the first like maybe month or so of the season, but I like the rule. I think it's very interesting. Like I said, it's a nice middle ground in terms of you know either get off the ice or get penalized. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to see how it works out. But I think the ECHL did a good job of making it more plausible or, or to be able to do something like that. So yeah, it's definitely not as as impactful as it was as the American mm-hmm. Hockey League rule, which was the ECHL rule last year that if you lost your helmet, you had to get off the playing surface. Um right. and and there would be the, there would be times where uh you know, you you'd lose your hat and you lose your helmet in a battle in the corner and uh, you know, puck comes out, goes to the other team who's offending, who's who's you know applying the pressure down on that end of the ice, and uh, you know if you have to go off, you're playing five on four until that other person from the bench gets into the middle of the action, and you just want a level playing field for everybody. So right, yeah. uh, to your point, I think that this is a good middle ground for the ECHL to say, well, it's not as extreme as the other rules that are that are out there on this. Why don't we take a look at it this way? And uh, the league has been kind of at the front of these things for a while. And I think that if this rule change works for uh, for teams this year, it, I think you could see it amended even in the American Hockey League or in the in the SPHL further down the food chain uh, mm-hmm. next year. Uh, clearly, because uh, you know you. You don't like I said. You don't want to harm. You, you mm-hmm. want players to take the time to put their helmet back on in the middle of the play. You don't want them to get hurt because I mean nobody wants to take a puck to the head that's coming at you at ninety five miles an hour. That would screw no, up your day. Um, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. just a, just a touch. Just uh, a you you don't want that to happen, but at the same time, you don't want the team to be penalized by losing the player. And then having that player take the five to seven seconds to get off the bench and get off, get into the ice and get into play. Uh, you know, and then that potentially puts a goal on the board with the razor, with the margin of error being so thin in this league. Um, 
you know, coaches are looking for every little bit to kind of tighten up the rules and to kind of keep that playing field as balanced as it can be. And this is one way they're doing it. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, because like I said, this, that's the type of thing where you can go from either leading or being tied to now you're losing or the game. It's, it's such a huge swing of momentum. Like I said, it's just that's how close it is. And that's it's just one thing coaches don't want to lose because that could mean so many points. And that could be either making the playoffs or not or getting knocked out of a series and stuff like that too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, anything, anything will definitely – change the momentum of the game but I, I i agree with you i think this is a great role and i'm curious to see how like i said how it works out so yeah yeah that yeah. is that's one rule change uh and then the other ones which i think will directly impact the entertainment portion of the sport and i i i, rem- I remember all the way back in the in the central hockey league days because there was that they were mm-hmm. the um I guess the jilted stepbrother of the ECHL at one point in time, but we had uh, Steve Martinson on a, on a show that we did from the owners meetings in Phoenix. And I remember plain as day, Steve Martinson saying um, hockey fans come to the game to watch the game itself and to be entertained. And so fighting is part of the entertainment in that uh, in the sport there's a necessary place for it. And that's coming from somebody who did that for a living through his career and has made and has become a really good head coach. Just look at his championship rings. But um, I say that to say this, if you are a fan of the entertainment value of the game, you are probably not going to like the next two rules that the ECHL has. One, which now takes down the number of fights you can have in a game before being assessed a game misconduct from three to two. And uh, similarly, it says the misconduct will be waived for a player if an opposing player is assessed a penalty for instigating. So if that is your second fight and the person you fought instigated the tilt, you are not given a game misconduct uh, as well. The other person would be thrown out. And then uh, another big rule um Player or players who enter into a fight prior to or at the drop of the puck or immediately following any face-off during a game shall be assessed an automatic game misconduct in addition to any penalties assessed. So basically what the ECHL is doing here is taking away the staged fighting. Um, We'll take one at a time. Let's start with the game misconduct rule of two fights in a game unless you get unless you get jumped and then it's three fights in a game um potentially um what are your thoughts on that actually i don't really mind the rule i i mean we we've all grown up with fighting in the league and mm-hmm. it's just in hockey in general and i don't i don't see it as a bad thing I mean, you're going from three to two you're really because you really don't want to to have all these stage fights and all these things where it's you know, you're kind of having to stop play for for just fighting you have you're racking up penalties like basically we're not going to see you know guys getting like triple digit penalties now with all because a lot of guys just mainly fight and stuff like that so i don't really mind the rule that you're going from three to two and i do like that like you said it's that caveat of the you are taking a like 
that even that second one you do, if the, if you get jumped like you said, and you don't, and it's the other guy who instigated it, I like that little bit of a of a we're not going to throw you out if you didn't start it type deal. So right, I don't I don't mind the role itself that you're basically just, you're, all you're doing is taking one less fight before you're thrown. Right, but you do have but you said but you do have that caveat of if you get jumped, that's not on you mm-hmm. type deal. So I think yeah. it's a nice counterbalance to not get thrown out. I don't really mind the rule. What do you think of that? Um, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, two fights. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, you know, three, when you, if you're a player and you fight three times in a game, you've essentially burned up 30% of the fights you can have before you're suspended in one game, there ought to be a hell of a chip on your shoulder if you're burning up three fights in one tilt. Um, yeah. But um, I, I just, I, I saw fans when this when this rule came out that that were like the ECHL is trying to eliminate fighting. They're trying to go the way of the QMJHL and and eliminate fighting completely and all of that. Look. And you and I can have the conversation about that. This is a, it's our first podcast. We ought to just start putting the tips out there. I think fighting is a valuable part of the game. Um, yeah. It, it, to me, fighting acts as a safety valve for when it gets too hot on the ice. And yeah. you, you look at it in football the same way. Like I was, I, I was a grunt offensive lineman uh, in, in high school. And, and, you know, that's my Al Bundy four touchdowns in one game story, but I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't score four touchdowns, but I assisted on, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. but I was a grunt offensive lineman and sometimes you're, you're battling the guy on the other side of the ball and there's jaw jacking going on between the two of you. And sometimes you just got to pop the guy. I've been yeah. popped. I've given the pop. Sometimes you just got to do it. And at the end of the day, at the end of the night, that was the first guy I went to seek out was, hey, no, lo- uh, no love loss here. All love for you, man. We'll see you soon. And, you know, I I, I don't want fa- – the, the entertainment component is always going to be in the game. Always. We're going to yeah. have fighting in the game. Period. I I think it, it's yeah. always going to be there. So, for those of uh, for those of you who listen and are like, well, they're going to take fighting out of the game. I think that you don't need to go to the clear other end of of the spectrum. All they're trying to do is limit the number of fights in a contest because ultimately. You know, fighting takes a, a little bit of time. Like you're you're taking two or three minutes off of the flow of the game, and if you're in if you're watching back and forth action, and then all of a sudden two guys want to square up and go, I don't know. The hockey purist in me would be like, why are we stopping the game so these two knuckleheads can get it on? Right. Yeah. You know, to me, no. I, and I you yeah, know, and I completely agree with you, and and I feel the same way. It's like. Yeah, fighting is essential because we all know there's refs who don't who don't know how to manage the game right. And they've missed calls and things. And like you said, it's a way to have the guys police the game themselves too, and being able to be like, okay, you can't just throw cheap shots and do stuff like that. And you know, th- we have to settle it. But like you said, why randomly just 
slow down the game just to slow down the game. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And and I, I would say this: the, the what it's not going to what the Q the QMJHL did, where it's like, okay, we're going to just completely eliminate it. That's not what they're doing. Like you said, they're just limiting the fights, not slowing down the game. And I don't. It's a way to you're still having entertainment value, but you're not hurting the flow. If that makes sense, I, it, it's almost like going into. And I think it's almost stopping these guys from having all these random scrums after a clean hit. And that's the thing that really annoys me the most is when you see a clean hit and automatically it's a fight. Yes. that's not fight, that's that's not fight worthy. Yes, and that 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 thing. That's why having that rule in place stops the okay you threw a you threw a clean hit that looks bad but in reality it was fine you hit him correctly but we got to stand up for our guy and no and that's the thing I that's the thing that really annoys me about the NHL sometimes is that we have too many fights on clean hits yes if you're going to do that okay yes. fine see you later because you just ruined the flow of the game because now you're doing a random fight just because your guy got popped and it right. wasn't a cheap shot Right. So that that's how I see this rule is it's still policing it, but it's also stopping the random. Oh well, we have to fight now. Mm-hmm. Why? There was no reason to fight. Yes. So yeah. So that's I, why I see that, like they're they're not eliminating it. They're just stopping these guys from just beating the crap out of each other just because. Right. For whatever random reason that doesn't really make sense. Right. And and you could preach all day to this choir about the fact that. On a clean hit, there needs to be a there needs to be a tilt. Take your it doesn't clean need hit, to be. <laughs> take your clean hit and move on. If exactly. You, if you if you get caught with your head down coming across the middle and you get a a forearm to your head, that's on you. You have to. You as a player should know space and time and have a recognition of that. Every time you're on the ice, like there's somebody coming for me. And well, even even then, yeah. like you usually see clean hits from like it's shoulder to the chest. Yes, and they still fight. How is that a fight? He hit him in he hit him in his chest. Exactly. Like 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 what well, like what are we doing here? And exactly. that and that's the thing that that just, that that really annoys me when I see that the most. Like you <laughs> yeah. clearly see no head with no headshot was taken. Right. But we're still having a fight. Like. Right. Yeah, I think and, I think that's what this rule is. It's to stop that nonsense. Right. Yes. And and like and look, like we said, heat of the moment, you have a big scrum at the side of the net, and two guys decide that they're done playing pat a cake with each other and want to throw fists, then that's great. That's the entertainment. There you go. There that's you go. The that that's that's understandable. Like, okay, yeah. maybe you poke your goalie or you snowed him or mm-hmm. you take a slew footer or a cheap shot. Yes. Okay, that's one thing clean hit like it's a clean hit yeah no reason to fight no move on yes. yeah cheap shots or touching your goalie or snowing them or slew footing or whatever okay fine that that's an understandable thing that the refs aren't going to call it right fighting is not getting taken away everyone needs to stop worrying about oh they're taking fights out no the cue is the cue i don't know what their deal is with that <laughs> whatever they're going to they're going to international hockey roles i guess where you can't fight yeah but they, that's not what the echl is doing it's just eliminating the unnecessary fights right. that don't need to happen. Right. And in and in that vein, rule number 4610 fighting prior to or at the drop of the puck is basically 
doing the same thing that you just mentioned, taking those unnecessary fights out of the game. And um, it to me, it sounds like you're at least going to get a game misconduct and possibly suspended for what happens at the drop of the puck. And and to be honest, look, you know, I'm an old I'm an old died in the wool Central Hockey League fan, and I loved the ECHL until, or excuse me, I loved watching the Central Hockey League even when, even, and I still miss it. I have, I have a greater appreciation for ECHL hockey though. And I have a greater appreciation for those who have battled concussions and CTE and stuff like that. So, um, watching these guys fight at the drop of the puck for no good reason. Can we just get the face off for, and, and this happened all of the time in the, in the central hockey league where you get two guys, you get, you get a whole forward group of, of players going and jaw jacking and everything like that. And the referee yeah. drops the puck and now you've got three separate fights going on all at once. Yeah. It just that, like we saw like, yeah. penguins and flyers. We saw that penguins and Rangers, devils, Rangers. devils, devils Rangers. Yeah. It, it's, it's such an on it's like you said, it's such an unnecessary thing. It's like, why, like, right. why, like why do that? Like you're all your, it, there, it makes no sense to have three different fights going or guys want to jabber jaw. If you want to mm-hmm. go fight, go find a different reason to do it. Don't do right off the face off. Cause it's like, yeah, all you're doing is now, you know, you have to stop, watch you do your thing. And then go do another face off. It's like, right. why? And like, why? It, it makes no sense to me that you that you want to go waste a five minute penalty for Jack John and each other right at a face off. Right. Like, and and, like, and there's no point. There's no point to that. Right. And if you need a fight off the face off to generate buzz in your arena, you did a good, oh, the, you did a poor job generating buzz to start with. You don't. I mean, the players shouldn't be responsible for generating that buzz a good hit in the corner 10 seconds in a good offensive rush a half minute in we'll do the same thing as a fight um goalie making a sick save or just just something there's other ways to generate buzz without having to be like okay we're gonna score off in the first like five seconds of the game or right off a face off and you're like Cool. Way to waste another five minutes right. <laughs> on something that really didn't need to happen, and and now, and now you burned a penalty. Mm-hmm. Now you burned a fight. Yeah, exactly. You burned a fight, and now you possibly might get suspended on top yeah. of that. On what? Yeah. yeah, you might even get to the second fight. You might be gone and suspended off that once. Congratulations! Now you just lost another fight that you could have saved for another time when it actually probably should have mattered. Right off of yeah. something that was just un. It, it reminds me of like, um, was it Slapshot two or three where they had like that, like, like the Globetrotter esque version of oh, hockey? Yeah. That's all. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like that's all it really is. Or like Goon <laughs> two. I haven't seen it, but I've seen clips of it where it's just like it's just staged. Like, or was it um, oh, what's that new league now where it's like it's just staged fight? It's just fights. Um, it's you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah whatever I, I do. It's, it's, it's like if you really wars. want that, go watch that. If you it's, really want to go, just watch the fights. Just go watch that. Like, yeah, it's it's a uh, ice wars. That thank you. Yeah, so it's like if you yeah. really want to just watch the fights, go watch that. It's like I'm here. I'm here to hockey and to watch a game. I'm not here to watch you beat the crap out of each other just because you want to. Like, yeah, I don't know. I have, I have, and this is 
our first podcast together. I don't want it to be the last. I have <laughs> I have thoughts on Ice Wars. We'll talk about those later. <laughs> I have thoughts. I have thoughts. Hey, you know, but, but like and you I'm, said, like I'm the, sure like you same, and I will mirror the same thoughts, but yes. Yeah, but like the same thing for the, for the CHL, you know, me being from Ohio, you know, the, the Cleveland Lumberjacks were in there, I think it was the IHF and something like that. IHL, kind of almost, yeah. Yeah, IHL, sorry. Yeah, IHL is kind of like the same thing. So, it's, yeah, it's just you're used to just being like those things happening. Now it's kind of like kind of glad that's not that the stage fights are getting taken out of the game yeah. because it's really unnecessary for me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm there to watch a game. I'm not there to have to watch guys waste time to generate buzz. If you're trying to generate it, you're doing a yeah. You you miss the mark. That's not how you generate buzz. Is right. stage fights. I mean, yeah, stage fights, no. But if these are, I mean, and like I said, and like we've said, if there are two guys who have a legit beef over the course of a game and they need to work it out, or you just need to take the temperature off the floor or off the ice, then yeah, fights yeah. are a perfect way to do that. But exactly, you know, you know, I think clearly gone are the days where you know I, I saw Bruce Ramsey, Thunderhead coach Bruce Ramsey, do this twice in his six years, in his four years plus behind the bench. He's on a new two-year deal; it'll be six when he's done. But I saw him do this twice where he put out all of his fighters in the opening shift lineup. And it's like, oh, well, that's that's a message. And just a bit. <laughs> just 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 to see what the other coach would do. And the other coach put out his first line and and ended up one of them ended up with a score with a goal right off the hop. Um, you know, those moves don't pay off very often. Um, no, <laughs> and that, that was one of those examples. Love you, Rammer, but didn't quite work. Uh, yeah, I think you, I think gone are those days where you just have uh, you know three, four guys look at the coach and say, "Hey, put me in. We got a score to settle here." And you don't need to settle that score right away in the middle of the game. It is okay. Trust us. It is okay as two fans of the game. It is okay to let some of that bad blood boil roll over to the next game or the next time you see him. It doesn't need yeah. to be settled in one shot. No, no. So honestly, I don't mind either of these roles. I think it's, you're still going to have the entertainment factor. It's just taking out the unnecessariness of fights that don't need to really be there yeah. in the moment. I, I, I prefer more organic yes. fights that make sense, not yes. staged. Or we have to fight because of a clean hit, or because you know yeah. I got three penalties I can go burn. Right. No, make it organic, get out of the way, and move on with it. You don't need to do two fights. If you're mm-hmm. doing two fights a game, I don't know what I'll, I don't know what you're really doing there because I don't know why you want to burn a half a period sitting in the in the penalty box. Right, and, and not, not putting points up. And and when rosters are so small, think about yeah. it now. The role of the fighter, the role of the fighter has changed. Um, they're not, you don't have designated fighters anymore who can rack up three, 400 penalty minutes. I saw Derek Parker, who's, uh, I think may have still to this day, the minor league hockey record for most penalty minutes in a year with 560, yeah, 560. No yeah, and no one's touching that. Nobody's <laughs> touch, like that's Lou Gehrig level. Nobody's touching that. Um, no, I, I, he he went out and got three fights a game, every single game. Guarantee it, like clockwork. See you later. Three and done. And uh, that role has changed. 
your 10th and 11th forwards now are almost as valuable as your first and second forwards on a, on a depth chart for teams that win championships. And it's, it's vital. You need to have depth all the way down your lineup. Team toughness can come from that, from that depth. And it doesn't hurt to have a guy who can be, who can put on the foil if they need to, but you got to have that 10th and 11th guy also be a guy who can chip in offensively as well. Exactly. It's, it's almost it's basically hockey starting into it. Everyone needs to be a, a well-rounded hockey player and yes. not just I'm here just to go throw some knuckles and I'm good to go. Like yeah, no, that's not how that's not how it is anymore. It, yeah. Hockey all around has gotten faster, more finesse, and more skill. Mm-hmm. There, there, we're not going to see the 80s and 90s NH uh, hockey where it's all right. We're gonna either we're either you're you're gonna run the score up on us or we're gonna pummel you until you stop scoring. Then we're gonna score on you. You're not right. clutching clutching and grabbing one away. Mm-hmm. I think we're saying we're not saying fighting is gone. It's just it's changed. We're, regu- we're, we're regulating it. Right. So right. So it's changed. I I I have no problem with these rules. Right. I think these are great rules. Get more flow to a game and less stoppages, in my opinion. So right. I have no I have no problem with these rules. Yeah. And then the other big rule from the uh, off season was the offside rule has been changed. Uh, and according to the league, it says a player is onside when either of his skates are in contact with the blue line or on his own side of the line at the instant the puck completely crosses the edge of the blue line. Quote, on his own side of the line, end quote, shall be defined by a quote-unquote plane of the blue line, which shall extend from the leading edge of the blue line upwards. If a player skate has yet to break the plane prior to complete the puck completely crossing the leading edge, he is deemed to be onside for the purpose of the offside rule. So basically your skate can touch the line. It cannot be over the plane or into the neutral zone. Mm -hmm. And any part of that skate breaks the plane of the goal line. Similar to a football touching the plane of the goal line, breaking the plane, any Mm. part of that football that gets on the white at the goal line, touchdown. Exactly. But I wonder, and this is the only thing that I kind of have an issue about in any of these rule changes. You know, we're asking three officials to watch a game that is increasingly fast and we're asking them to do it with technology that is not the best. In some arenas, the pads don't work. In some arenas, the cameras were, were not working last year. We're asking them to make these judgment calls. Um, are they going to have video replay for this? Was video replay expanded to include offside? And if so, how many times a game are we going to be re- be challenging or reviewing offside? If that's the case, if, if <laughs> offside is in the rules as a reviewable play, then, Ky- then, then Kyle may be at opening night for the Swamp Rabbits and you may be there clearing the Sunday morning. Pretty much, yeah. And, and that, honestly, it's just, it's like what the NHL did. And it's for me, it's. I think it sh- for me, it should be reviewable to a certain extent. If the, the play's gone for five minutes, you yeah. you can't look back on that. If, yeah, if a goal was scored it, off of the play, 
that you know if, if the player brought in the puck and it looked to be offside and a goal was scored off of that, absolutely review it. Yeah, but if I it's think, like, I think eight, though that's the only way you review that. Yeah, if if, if you've got a if you've got a minute plus, yes. Sorry, you're done. You can't review. Like if it's gone from one side to the other, back to the other, and then you score. Oh, we're gonna review it from like five minutes ago. No, like right. And that's and that's the thing I wish the NHL would do. From if if I was setting an offside rule, if it's an instant goal, review it. If it's past a minute, let's say a minute and a half. Let's mm-hmm. give them a minute and a half. If it's past that goal, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. We're, we're not right. gonna review that. Right. I, I think if you're going to make a, a, a rule like that, you should have a time limit of how long you are allowed to be within a review window. If you're outside of the review window, it's a goal. Because, like you said, you don't want to be there in almost every goal. Oh, it's offsides. Oh, it's possibly offsides. And you're like, guys, yeah, we need we need to limit these reviews here. We can't just be sitting here for seven minutes and get, like every time a, po- a possible offside rule is there. Right. And so I think I think that's the one thing I would add is add a time limit to how long it's reviewable. If it's past a certain time, null and void, it's a goal. Right. Nothing we can do about it. Right. And and I mean, let's be clear about it. Like I mean, we're all hockey fans here. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a hockey fan. Zach and I are both hockey fans. There's offsides that is that are not called in every all single the game. Time. All, all the, the time. All the time. To ask officials and to ask video replay to get it right every single time is an absolute fool's errand. So, um, you know, I think that this is the best version of offsides that we've seen come out of the ECHL in a few years. I think that this rule needed to be changed. Um, oh, I, would, I, I, agree, I, I agree with that. I don't, yeah. uh, go ahead. No, no, no I, I agree with that. Yeah. It, it needed to get done. But, yeah. But to say that, but I mean, I would, I think that it probably should be a challengeable offense, like like for a video review. However, but to your point, you need to put up the guardrails for it. Like if the goal, if a goal was scored off of a player bringing in the puck that was offside, then yes, let's look at mm-hmm. it. It's almost just like the same as the goal, as the puck crossing the goal line. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and they're being white. So yeah, we, you know, yeah, uh, it's just, yeah, I just, like I said, there's just gonna be a certain time limit because we're not going to, we know who wants to stay here for 20 minutes going through a million offside <laughs> yeah. reviews. It's well, just, it's and unnecessary. And, and to that point, you have to have the technology to work too. Like, you know, there are some, some issues with Wi-Fi in buildings and pads and video replay equipment. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. let's be fair. It's, it's the ECHL. You're not, everything's going to be perfect. Correct. It's correct. <laughs> you get, you get what you get in double a hockey. So right. it's, and it's the best uh, that they can do, it, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be very, it's going to be very interesting how they're going to play it. it. Yeah. It, it definitely needed to get done. Yeah. But this is going to be a trial by fire for sure because it's a lot of objective calls that are going to be happening with this. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, <sighs> yeah sure. I don't envy. I don't envy the refs. <laughs> I don't. I don't envy them trying to make the trying to make this call because no. that's going to be brutal to take no. care of. No, and then yeah, and maybe uh, as we you know start to put our guest list together for the podcast and things like that, we'll have uh, um, you know. ECHL's Joe Ernst on or the director of officiating 
on and uh, we can get some clarity on those things uh, moving forward as we head toward the season. So those are our views of the rules. Again, plenty of rule changes, and uh, we will have a link to those in the podcast write-up at fieldpasshockey.com. Also in the big news department over the summer, the league will add a uh, 29th team to the fold beginning in 24-25. The league is expanding to Lake Tahoe and the ownership group is um, Zawyer Sports and Entertainment, but it is Tim Tebow along with David Hodges, CEO of Hodges Management Group, who are also uh, in that uh, in that ownership group. And and you know, I saw again, you know, we're talking about news that happened a couple months ago, but still, I I, I saw all kinds of press about, Oh, Tim Tebow's owning a hockey team. Now Tim Tebow's owning a hockey team. Could we all just pump the brakes on that for just a second? Like, do do we not understand that back in the central hockey league days? And again, I keep going back to that, but this is the closest parallel I can have to what's going on in Lake Tahoe. There were four Dallas star players, Darian Hatcher, Ed Belfour, Mike Madonna, and believe it was Joe Neuendijk, four former Dallas star players who were all retired and they bought into the, into the Allen Americans franchise. The buzz around there was, Oh, they're reinvesting in the hockey community and all that. You know how much of that they owned? Probably not Mm -hmm. more than 5%, but it it, was all the buzz. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of minority ownerships. It's not right. like they're the main guys. It's not like Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, where it's like they are the ownership. Yes. Group. No, it's just Team Tebow is part of it. Like, and He's that's the same like with Magic with Magic part. Johnson and all these other guys. Right. It's a small, small part. Yeah, it's just a name. They're just throwing a name onto an ownership group to yes. create a oh a former athlete's owning. It's like it's he's. It's not gonna be him. You know throwing all of his money or making the big making the moves or like the guy who's going to be writing the, ch- no. he's just a part owner right. of a group that owns this thing. So yes. yeah, like you said, pump the brakes. Tim Tebow is not the majority owner. He's just a no. minority owner. Who is just a part of a, of an entity that is going to own a team, which right. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm curious to see what the arena is going to look like. And of course, name, logo, colors, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. Honestly, it's kind of cool to see another team guy get added to the league. Now we're up to 29, yeah. and that's on the back of, I think they just got approved to go from 30 to 32. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that possibility we might see a one-for-one for, one for everybody, but. Couldn't come soon At enough. some point. Yeah, at some point, but I mean, you know, then the <laughs> yeah, NHL. Yeah, it can't come soon enough, please. Then the NHL <laughs> might expand again. You know, they've talked about going into Houston and, you know, Quebec City again and, and things like that, so. Um, and expansion is one of the favorite, favorite topics that I love to talk about. Um, you know, do we get to 34, 35, 36 teams at the NHL? Then what do you do in the American hockey league? Do you go from, what are they at? 31 now to 36 or whatever. And then uh, the NHL follows suit. AHL's at 32 now. 32. Okay. So it is an even one for one from the NHL to the AHL. Well, um, well, well, outside of Chicago Wolves deciding to go independent. <laughs> yeah. There is. That's that. a whole thing. That's, oh. that's a whole, that's all. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. That's a whole. <laughs> woof. 
That's a whole sticky <sighs> wicket. Um, yeah, trust me. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> As the guy who talks about the Hurricanes on the other podcast, it's fun talking to Yeah, Sure, yeah. But yeah. don't talk about the Wolves. That's like cussing. That's like saying, that's like dropping a bomb to a priest or something like that. Exactly, um, yeah. But, 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 but just the fact we're getting a 29th team yes. and the membership has gone up to 32 now. Yes. I think Select City is a great addition because you don't really see a lot of stuff like that. So, you, so now you get a you get a Mountain West time zone team. You yeah, add that in, so it makes it a little bit of an easier travel when you look at you know the like the Mount. You got Wichita, Kansas City, Idaho, and all those guys. At least mm-hmm. now you're kind of getting a another team in like that that area in terms of at least now it's travel won't be so bad for those guys as well because at least yeah. you still get another good addition and. Like you said, that's twenty nine. Now you're looking at just getting three. So now you're looking at who you're gonna put, who, who you might put in the central, Kansas City. They're, that's yeah, yeah. That's my yeah. That's the easy choice right there. Yeah, you move Kansas City over and stuff like that. But like I said, mm-hmm. if we if we do expand to thirty two, then you're looking at you know who's the other team you added to the central? Who's the team you added yeah. to the south? Yeah, who do you add to you know the north and stuff like that? So right. you get a, a, an even set of teams across the board, but yeah. Kansas City needs to go back to the central. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, 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 I like to see the, I like to see the central hockey league teams that came into the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Believe it was, gosh, almost ten years ago now. I, I want to well, see been, those, it has been that long. Jeez. Yeah, no kidding. I, I oh want to see gosh. those teams stick together because those are natural rivals. And if that's true, if yeah. you're not playing, if Wichita and Kansas City aren't, if Kansas City's in a different division than Wichita, then you're not getting that buzz with the rivalry. Um, that that's said, also very true. Yeah. That said, they don't need to play 16 times a year. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you're not lying there. But, so, yeah, because you're because you're. You're adding Salt Lake City, so you're already up to eight. Right. So, I mean, the mount the mountain's kind of set as it is. It's crazy to think we're not like you. you it's like Idaho is kind of like the farthest out you kind of go. Yeah. In terms of the league, which I think it's fine. I don't really think you need to add another team to that into that area now because you get Salt Lake City. Um. The the mountains at eight. Yeah, I would in a, in a perfect world in a perfect world where the NBA didn't run Oklahoma City, you bring back an Oklahoma city franchise, but that won't happen as long as the Oklahoma city thunder are in town. They own Oklahoma city. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, And, and to be fair, uh, to be fair, to be fair, uh, Oklahoma city hockey fans writ large were lied to at every turn. And I apologize for the dog barking. They were lied to at every turn about the move from from the Blazers from the Central Hockey League to the American Hockey League. And then once they got back the trust of Blazers fans, they were lied to again about the move from Oklahoma City to Bakersfield. So there are a ton of Mm -hmm. jaded Oklahoma City hockey fans in that market and has time healed all wounds. We don't know, but yeah, it, that, would be that's a, tough. it would be a very, very tough sell for at least the first year or two for an Oklahoma city team to be there 
moving forward. But but for me, because I liked the I like the idea of the I thirty five octagon of doom with Kansas City, <laughs> Wichita, then Tulsa, Oklahoma City, and Allen. Oh, but we got to put that on a t-shirt because that's fantastic. I, I love that. I want the octagon of doom on I-35. And you have to. Yeah, that's it's it's a it's a perfect storm. Yeah. Yeah. And and to me that is uh, that's where the Oklahoma City franchise would fit best. I I but I I like the addition of Lake Tahoe. Again, it gives some it gives the Western outposts of Utah and Idaho, a team to play, you know, a handful of hours away, a flight, if you will. The concern I have is that it snows in Lake Tahoe and it snows a lot. Yeah. I don't know why it's in Salt Lake City. I got my, I got my cities crossed for about half a minute. So that's my, that's my mistake. I don't know why it's in Salt Lake City. You're good. I meant Lake Tahoe. It's, but it snows a a (laughs) a ton in Lake Tahoe. It does. It does. Yeah, I've been there. Woof. Yeah. How how you getting them out? You gonna bus? Snowmobile. <laughs> Just Maybe. get a snowmobile, man. But yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Let me ask you this then. So we so like, so we get Lake Tahoe. So they're probably gonna go to the mountain. It's mm-hmm. kind of a done deal at this point. Yeah. I'm curious though. Let's say let's play the hypotheticals of let's say we get three more. We get one for the central, one for the south, and one for the north. Okay. Where would you kind of put a team to fit those divisions? I know I'm putting you on the spot because we never really yeah. talked about it. Yeah. But like, let's play the what if game real quick. If we do get up to 32 teams and you're adding the one to the central, south, and north, what would be a good location for these Gosh. for these teams? Well, the south is the easy one, I think, because it's been rumored that Athens is building a building. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was rumored that the Atlanta Gladiators were going to make the room make the run down I twenty to right. Athens, and up until up until the the team announced, I think it was last week that they're going to be in in uh, Gas South Arena for another four years. So, right. um, and I think Anson Carter and that ownership group there in Atlanta has done a masterful job of saving hockey in Atlanta. Um, so Athens would be the first logical um, spot for me in the South. The Central's tough because um, you have so many teams that are bunched together there in Ohio and Indiana and Michigan. You have that old UHL set up a set of rivalries with Kalamazoo and Fort Wayne and Toledo mm-hmm. and, and right. Indies chipped in now. And then you have Wheeling and um, I mean, that's a real and Cincinnati's also in there. That's a real gauntlet, if you will, for that yeah. area of the country. Um, I gosh, maybe you bump Evansville up from an SPHL team to an ECHL team. Maybe you give that a go again. I don't know. Um, on that one. And that to me would be the toughest. Right. Um, and, and the one rule that I keep coming back to is, you know, and commissioner Ryan Creelan has told me this a couple of times in the times that I've had a chance to talk to him is we don't like to go back into markets where we were and where we were previously and do business again. Because right. then you have to, you have to kind of, then it's just awkward. Well, like, why did you leave the first time? And are you going to leave us again? And all of those questions, and those are very natural questions. So 
where do you put a team? Do you bump up Peoria from the SPHL to the ECHL? Like they've had a ton of success at that level. And to me, maybe Peoria makes the most sense. If you're not going to go back to Evansville, which is a reasonable, re, where there's a reasonable reason why, because you've mm. been there before and it didn't work, go to Peoria and bump Peoria up to the ECHL. I, I would love to see what that franchise can do at this level. Yeah. And it's a natural fit for all of those teams as well. It's a bus ride. It's, it, you're looking at multiple, you're looking at several hours. You're not looking at a day or anything like that. And then right. in the north, because I don't think Manchester ever got a fair shake, you go back to Manchester. Right. Yeah. Those I completely mine. agree with you. Yeah. Those I are mean, mine. Yeah. You're talking about possible bringing a team up. I think. Let's say the Fayetteville Marksman, you bring them up, put them in the South. Because you look at how the South Division is. You got South Carolina, you got Florida, you got multiple Florida teams, you got South Carolina, you got Georgia. I, like, I'm really surprised we don't have a team. And like, you bring up the Marksman, you got North Carolina checked off right there. Because why? Because you're going to have multiple rivalries for the Marksman. Because they're right there in Fayetteville. Right. So you're talking, you're not very far from Greenville. You know, you're not that far from Savannah. Jacksonville is not that bad either. Even for the Stingrays, that's not a bad because you're just going straight down 95 and over 20 a little bit. And you're right there, right for South Carolina. So I mean, I think Fayetteville would be a good spot if you're really. Um, and there had been some talk about maybe Charlotte moving down to the ECHL and being that franchise that moves west to Atlanta and them being an American Hockey League franchise. There's all that kind of scuttlebutt that you hear about. Um, right, yeah. in the off season and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe, maybe the ECHL goes to Charlotte, uh, if that were to ever come to pass, or even how about this? How about this? Bring back San Antonio, bring San Ooh. Antonio into the fold as a former AHL franchise. You bring them into the ECHL and you only do this. You only, only do this. If you use the iguanas logo. If you use, oh, and, and go back, go back, and I know you're a logo geek like I am. So go oh, back and look at the old logo that they had back in the Central Hockey League days, back in the mid '90s, and tell me that's not a, f- a fantastic logo to use. Modernize I, I it a little bit, but use that logo and use the team name to bring back hockey at the ECHL level in South Texas. 100. percent And now here's my question for you: Then would you put them in the Mountain or would you put them in the Central? South? That's Oh, in the South, mm-hmm. interesting. Yep. That would that wouldn't be that would be that wouldn't be the travel be very interesting for those guys having to go from Texas, having to go play everyone basically Georgia. Yeah, it's, it, it's a that, ten hour bus ride, I think. Uh, well, it's ten hours to Pensacola uh, from San Antonio. It's probably another yeah. six to Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, something like that. To, so it, it, yeah, it'd be, yeah, but that would be a bad option either. The North. I think the north for me that's a very interesting area because you're talking Newfoundland. You got you know you got Norfolk, Maine. I mean you got the Adirondacks. I don't know. I think the north is another very interesting division. Like where do you put a team? Right. I mean because you really can't think of Rhode Island because you already got the Providence Bruins. They kind of they they kind of have like a, a stranglehold on the on the state. <laughs> yeah, and it's not so, terribly big. I mean Rhode Island no, is very small. No, it's it's really not. So I mean, Hartford you, the same way with with the Wolfpack. 
Ex- yeah, exactly. So like, you can't really look into Pennsylvania because you already got Reading. Reading kind of just owns West, uh, Eastern PA. So I don't mm-hmm. know where you would even put another team out there. And mm-hmm. outside of Philly and Pittsburgh, there's not really a that, lot out there. Yeah. So I don't know. The, the North for me would be a, would be a very interesting like, – for, would you even look at like New Hampshire? Like we say, you talk about Manchester. Like even Vermont, I don't think I don't know what you really even get out that way too. So I think the Northeast, the for just because look at Norfolk. Norfolk's in Virginia, and they're in the North Division. That really tells you that it's. I mean, yeah. unless unless you're talking about maybe getting a team in Maryland, maybe put a team in Annapolis, maybe, maybe, maybe? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there are all kinds of possibilities and that's the beautiful thing about expansion is that mm-hmm. these the, the league puts teams in places that you're like oh i didn't think that and then you go and do some research you're like oh okay well that makes sense like this this uh arena that they're building in in lake tahoe or on well i guess more aptly state line nevada is only going to hold four or five thousand seats um you know so um Wait, i mean which kind of i mean yeah it kind of makes sense if you think about because you because we've seen, you know, the like I mean obviously the league last year set the new record from you know total attendance which congratulations right. I mean that's amazing you'd love mm-hmm. to see that yeah but you look at the averages across the league you're kind of that's a forty five hundred kind of makes sense because now you're you're not going to have this ten thousand twelve thousand seat arena and you're filling not even what a quarter right. or a half of it. if you go forty five hundred. Then okay, then you have a possibility of selling out the barn almost every night because now you're kind of hitting that the average that everyone else is kind of hitting. Right, so it kind and of makes sense honestly if you think about it in a business in a business sense. You look at, um, I'm trying to go back here to look at the average league attendance last year, which um, as you mentioned, the league broke their all time record, mm-hmm. I believe, right. Of yes, uh, first time it actually first time it hit five million. Five million. Uh, okay, so they yeah. averaged forty six hundred a game. So if you put a forty two forty five hundred seat arena in there, you're probably you're probably going to draw seventy five to eighty percent of that of those seats on a Friday or Saturday night, and you may draw yeah. 50, 50 percent of those seats on a weeknight game. That's really good. And yeah. and that's not going to hurt league attendance. And where I think the league attendance gets hurt is because you have these teams playing in 10, 12,000 seat arenas and you're only yeah. filling up 30 to 40% of those on good nights. And on weeknight yeah. games, you're filling up 10 to 20% of them. So Right, exactly. Yeah, that that know. that's where I think Lake Tahoe is doing the right thing. Yes. We we don't need this really huge arena. No. When, when we know what our what our demographic is and what are, and we've seen the attendance around the league. Correct. Let's just build let's just build an arena that makes sense to where like you said, now you're doing 8% a night or 50 on a on a and on a slower night, but you're not it's not a cavernous empty barn yeah you're not playing in a library 10 or 20 percent exactly yeah so honestly i as a business sense this is a per, i think lake tahoe absolutely did a phenomenal idea of like right. it, it doesn't less is more right essentially yeah so that's basically what they're doing so it's, it's smart honestly well, well and you think about it you think about it 46 45 4600 tickets uh you sell that out that's a good night like that. Oh, 100%. You're, you're talking 18 about, would kill for those numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, 
we've 45 or 4,600. And then you look at concessions and, and things like that. Like that is stuff that owners would lap up. Give me all the, all of that all day. If I can sell out the arena and make money off of the concessions, and the merch, and especially and especially how the, how the merch looks too. You yes. know, you know, people are gonna be just snatching merch up left and right too. Yeah. Especially if the logo looks cool and the colors and, and just how the jerseys look. You, you, yeah, it's it's money for days for these think, guys. You know, you know they're gonna take this and run with it. And yeah, and the other thing about this is, is the Lake Tahoe area mm. is a very affluent area of California. You know, in the same way that Coachella Valley is a very affluent area in the Palm Springs area for the American hockey league. Um, same way here in the ECHL. So there are going to be a lot of big time people coming in to watch this product on the ice. Um, and, and to watch this Lake Tahoe franchise, I think it's going to do really well there. I think it's a huge boom for the ECHL to be back in California and to mm-hmm. reassert itself as a border to border fran- as a border to border league again. Yeah. Um, that, that is a huge win for this league to go back to being a border to border team after not being that for a number of years after the westward migration of the AHL and then yeah. just steamrolling ECHL markets. So this is a huge boom for them. Happy for everybody involved and, and we'll look, uh, we'll keep an update on what's going on, uh, with the new, uh, Lake Tahoe franchise hopefully we'll have somebody from there uh a little bit later on in the season as well but it probably won't be tim tebow because he's not <laughs> a he's not a majority owner so no probably not please so, please stop the brakes on that so please yeah <laughs> full yeah, stop yeah full stop, full stop. <laughs> so uh we'll take a time out here and come back on the other side and have our first ever guest on the coast cast the assistant coach of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, Kyle Mountain, will join us when we come back after this commercial timeout on the Coast Cast. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. The NFL is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for Week 1. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers could take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use the code THPN to sign up. New customers could take home $200 in bonus bets instantly for just betting 5 bucks. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. 
Our first ever guest on the Coast Cast is the new assistant head coach of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, Kyle Mountain. Kyle, thanks very much for joining us, man. Congratulations on the new gig. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, everything's good. Feeling settled here in Greenville now, so um, can't complain. Yeah, life's good. How was the move down from Pennsylvania? Any uh, any great excitement with that? <laughs> Just chaos a little bit, hectic, you know, getting everything packed up, loaded up in the truck, and uh, pretty smooth 10-hour drive down here. So uh, everything went uh, according to plan, luckily, and the place is great and loving the city so far. So uh, so all good on our end. Let's uh, – how does a, a Division three NCAA coach end up – with uh, an assistant head coach job in the ECHL. Normally, there are some other um, uh, platforms that you have to work up, but can you talk to us a little bit about how uh, you and Andrew Lord ended up working together? Yeah, we actually uh, we met out at a conference in Michigan earlier in the spring, so um, there was kind of a social event going on there, and we met through a mutual connection um, that I was working with pretty closely, and so we you know, just met over that week. And, um, you know, he and I just kind of casually had a couple uh, beers together one night and, and hit it off pretty well. And I got to know him and, you know, he, he just kind of walked me through his journey and, and where he's been and, you know, where he's at now um, and, and his experience in Greenville. And we kind of parted ways at that point. Um, you know, and then luckily later on in the summer, at least for me, the, the, the job opened up. And so, um, you know, one or two of our mutual colleagues uh, actually reached out to me. I didn't know there was an opening. And they said, hey, you should you should look into Greenville. Um, you know, so I, I, I called Loro that day and, um, you know, we just kind of started the process there. But, um, you know, it's always been important to me to surround myself with really good hockey people and good hockey minds. And so, you know, be it at the college level or the professional level or even the junior level, um, you know, there, there's some there's some great coaches out there. So you really never know how things are going to end up, um, you know, and I think a little bit of this was right place, right time. And, you know, the situation just made a lot of sense for me at this point in my career. So the stars aligned a little bit. I got very fortunate with the opportunity, but um, that's really how it came out, just kind of connecting over a drink or two and uh you know one thing leads to another so uh you know I was definitely fortunate yeah no for sure because i know you know, you played at the university of nebraska omaha then you go and straight into coaching like so like what was that transition like going like you finish your four years in the ncaa and then you go right into newman and now you're here where you're at in greenville like like how's that how's that whole journey been for you just going from a right from a playing career right into coaching and then being at yeah. newman for so long i think it was like seven or eight years you've been there so how, yeah, how yeah, go out. yeah. I mean, the, the transition for me, like I, I really wanted to stay in the game. I think I was at the point where I was ready to, to kind of move on to the next chapter. Um, but I've been close to the game my whole life. I've been close to sports my whole life. And so, you know, really with Newman, it started as kind of a, a part time gig, just helping out with the team as an assistant and, you know, wanted to be around the rank, wanted to be in the room and and try my hand at it and see if I liked it. You know, so um, I knew very early on, um, you know, with the assistant coaching job that this was something I really wanted to pursue, um, you know, and very similar. I mean, two years into my assistant job there, uh, the head coach job opened up. So I was able to kind of throw my hat in the ring. Uh, for that. And it was very fortunate for that opportunity. So I think, you know, being there for as long as I had been there, 
Um, I, I got so much out of that experience and really learned a lot. And at that level, uh, you know, more times than not, coaches are wearing many hats, um, you know, so we're, we're responsible for a lot. Um, but to me, that was a great learning experience, just understanding what it takes to, to make a program run and, you know, what you have to do to, to, to make things go. And so I think that, you know, stepping into this opportunity, um, you know, it's similar where, you know, as, as a staff, we're, we're tasked with a lot of different things. And so, you know, I think that my past experience kind of suited me well for that and equipped me with, with the tools necessary to to walk into a room like like ours in Greenville here and just be able to contribute. You know, so as, as much as I love coaching hockey, I'm capable of doing other things for the for the organization as well. So, uh, you know, again, for me, I think my, my prior experience really kind of equipped me well for this new challenge. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to, to helping out with this team and, and contributing any way I can. Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, the Swamp Rappers just, you know, recently, just as of today, just actually signing J.D. Greenway. And, of course, they've got a lot of guys over this past few months. It's just slow getting the roster going. I think we're up to 15 players now. Like, have you taken a look at the roster yet and, like, have some, like, like getting some game tape from last year? Like, what are your thoughts so far just looking at the roster that, you know, Lordy has already put into motion so far for the upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, from from everything I can tell, he's done an unbelievable job with this roster and this team. And so to have, I think we're at 13 returning players mm-hmm. um, coming in for this year. Like that, at this, you know, in this league, that's a pretty unbelievable number. And I think it just speaks volumes to this organization. Players want to be here. They want to come back here. Um, and I think the guys that we have coming in um, are, are really going to have the opportunity to contribute as well. Uh, and I think we're, we're hopefully putting something special together here. Um, you know, and I've talked to, I think just about every guy on the roster at this point with kind of reaching out, making phone calls to introduce myself and just check in with those guys and see how their off season's been and uh, unbelievable character in the group. Uh, The guys have really welcomed me with open arms, which is great. Um, You know, so I've felt comfortable from the jump here between the organization and their support. And then just with the guys, just kind of, you know, talking shop with them and talking hockey and seeing how they're doing. Um, You know, the guys have been uh, very welcoming for me. So I think we've got a great group. I mean, I, I can't wait for them to get into town and, and start getting to work here. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot to do between now and then and, and make sure that we have things ready to go on our end for those guys. But uh, it's going to be a fun group. I can tell that already. Um, and I think we got a, a really good team here. So, um, you know, we're going to do what we can as a staff to make sure these guys are reaching their potential and, and maximizing what we have here. But I think we're, we're in a really good position. So it's up to us to really just get to work and, and make something happen here. Yeah, no, for sure. Like you said, you're bringing 13 returning players last year, and that's coming from a team who finished fourth in the East. And that's a huge deal, especially how the South division was. I mean, Florida went back to back in the Kelly Cup, you know, just winning it. And now, like I said, the, the, the whole division is tough, but just getting 13 players back from a fourth place team last year in the entire conference is really saying something, too. So it's, it's going to be very, like you said, very interesting how this team is going to play out. But mm-hmm. I think it'll be a very good year for you guys. So coming to the ECHL, you know, travel is going to be very interesting this year, especially going up to Newfoundland for three like three games in three days like is there any dates you kind of have circled off or is it just kind of like you're just ready for the season to get here and you're just excited to go everywhere like how's that experience for you just looking at the schedule and like figuring out all right this is gonna be a fun trip or stuff like that 
Yeah, no, I mean, like it's again, just starting with the South Division. There's some awesome buildings, some awesome atmospheres, and just really good hockey. I, I mean, this division's a gauntlet. It, it's going to be a battle night in and night out, and that's what you want, right? I mean, you want to be able to to go play against the best and really compete and just see how you stack up. And so, just uh, with, with the amount of games we have in division, um, you know, that that's extremely exciting. And then, yeah, those those bigger trips and going up to Newfoundland should be interesting. It should be fun, and that's always a good program too. So, um, you know, again, for, for me coming in, it's, um, you know, trying to stay even keel and just make sure that I'm doing what I can every day, um, you know, and doing what I can as far as just contributing and trying not to look too far ahead, you know, and I, I'm still coming into the office every day, just trying to learn and trying to, you know, be a sponge and just pick up as much as I can and, and find new ways to, to help this team. And so, um, I'm excited to, to play. I'm excited to, to get the puck dropped, but um, you know, I understand too, there, there's, a, there's a lot of work to be done between now and then with, with getting the guys here and settled, getting into training camp. And then, uh, you know, once we get to October 21, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll think about the game, but uh, until then it's just, uh, you know, one foot in front of the other. Kyle Mountain, assistant coach of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits joining us here on the coast cast. Um, Andrew Lord comes came over to North America as one um, unbelievable amount of championships for him outside of uh, former Allen Americans coach Steve Martinson. I don't think there's another coach out there who's won as many championships as Andrew Lord has. What you talked about being a sponge and taking everything that you can from uh, certain people in the organization. What is it that you've taken from Andrew Lord in your time there that has helped you so far? Uh, he, he's relentless. I mean, he is relentless. He wants to be great. He wants to win. Uh, he's very competitive and he and I get along very well in those, you know, kind of different natures. And so I think that, you know, being able to see what he does day to day, um, being in the office with him and understanding what makes him tick, what makes him go, uh, he's got one speed, you know, and I love that about him. And so nothing he does is casual. Nothing he does is kind of one foot in, one foot out. He is he is all in. And so he wants to bring a championship to Greenville. You know, he wants to win a Kelly Cup here. And uh, that's exciting to be around. It's contagious. You can just feel it throughout the building. You can feel it throughout the entire organization. And you go upstairs with the group and, and Tim Vieira and like everybody in this organization has the same goal uh, and the same drive. And so I think that again, you know, your product is, is just a, a, it's what your people are every day. Right. And what you are is just how you act day in and day out. So I think just being, in that group, in that environment has inspired me to do even more, you know, and I'm, you know, very excited. I was extremely excited to get here and now get into the office every day. It's just, it's fun to go to work, you know, and it's really, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're relentless in what we do uh, and we have a shared goal uh, and what we want to bring here as far as just what this team can accomplish. So uh, just seeing him up close and, and seeing, you know, what he does and how he goes about his business has been great for me so far. And it's only been, you know, a week or two. So I'm excited to just keep this rolling. You mentioned yeah. earlier about how um, running a, a collegiate program, you have many hats and uh, you know, obviously we, we talk about the ECHL and it being the everything changes hockey league. Um, uh, you really do have to wear, almost as many hats, if not more, as an assistant coach at, the, at this level, don't you? 
Yeah, and again, to me, that that's exciting because, you know, as much as I love being behind the bench, uh, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that people don't really see and they don't, you know, really comprehend, but everything matters. You know, we say it in the, in, in the office, it's like everything matters. And so, you know, the end result is the game and it's October 21 and dropping the puck on the season, but the, the amount of work that goes into getting to that point you know, how, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And so we, we really want to have that relentless approach in everything that we do from what's what's perceived as a very small thing to the very big thing. So, you know, again, to be able to walk in and be able to contribute in, in multiple ways, um, that really attracted me to this job and that really attracted me to this place, um, you know, because I want to make an impact. And so, you know, obviously, whatever comes up, I'm ready for You got to be on your toes a little bit for sure. But uh, again, that makes every day, you know, that much more exciting and it just makes it uh, fun to go to work every day and just see what we can do to, to get a little bit better. Yeah, no, for sure. And you see, you've been going to the office every day. Like I just got Like what's the experience? Like just going into the arena, it's quiet. You know, there's not a lot going on just yet, but you know, October 21st comes around. It's going to be electric first game opening night. First game of the season goes, why not? You got, the fact that they scheduled it that way had to be perfect. But like, what are you looking forward to most for just like outside of the puck actually being dropped? Like, what are you looking forward to most on opening night, game one at home? Yeah, I mean it's it's a long off season, right? So yeah, you, you always have your checklist of things you got to get done and things you got to improve upon. Uh, and, and now you can kind of just really feel it coming. And again, with talking to the players. Uh, the, these guys are really juiced up to get back here, you know, get back together and start getting to work. And, and for me personally, it's the same thing. I mean, it's, you know, it's quiet in there these days and you, you, you just feel it building a little bit more every single day. So I think when that day finally rolls around and again, it's, it's one out of 72, right? So, mm. so we're not going to put uh, everything into one game. We're going to go out with, with our plan and we're going to compete to go win that game. Uh, but then we got to turn around the next day and we got to keep improving. We got to keep working. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere without a doubt. Uh, and from what I've seen as an outsider, <laughs> Uh, Greenville's got a got a pretty good following, and that building gets rocking. So, uh, I'm definitely excited for that. It's going to be a fun experience, but uh, the process is is really as just as enjoyable to me. With you know, getting to work with the guys day in and day out, and just those interactions on a daily basis with the staff and with the team. Um, you know, those things are that's what I love about you know this 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 job, this opportunity. So. Um, you know, that'll be a fun day for sure, but it's it's one of many important days, uh, you know, throughout the season. So we just try to, as cliche as it is, take it a day at a time and, and try to get better every day. No, 100% for sure. So you talk you talk about the, the fans. It, it's very interesting because the fact that people don't think of South Carolina as a, like, hockey area because I live, like, an hour and a half away in Lexington down near Columbia. And it's very interesting. You don't really hear very much of hockey down this area, but, like, and that's thing that's the one good thing about you know having you on for as our first guest ever for this show is to be like let's get some eyeballs on South Carolina because I mean there is some great hockey down here that I think it's overlooked. So, like looking around just Greenville, like have you able have you been able to get a chance to check out the area, check out some cool places to eat at, you know, go and do things? Like, is there any how how has Greenville been for you so far? Just being down here for a little bit, and have you found uh, yeah. any gems yet to you know go and get food and all that good stuff? 
It's been, it's been incredible, honestly. And like, I, I was, I was in town with my, uh, my wife over the weekend for the, for the holiday weekend. And prior to the weekend, it was just a lot of moving and being in the office and just getting acclimated. So it was really my first experience to just get into town and, uh, it blew me away. I mean, the place is incredible. It's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's lively, which I love. Um, but it still has a small city feel, which is really cool. And so, uh, I, I we popped into a few restaurants that were amazing. I got to test out a few more places, though. I don't want to go all in yet, so I got to do some some sampling work here a little bit. But um, no, I mean, what what more could you ask for, really? So um, you know, for us, especially as a family, it was just very important that we that we go somewhere that we're going to enjoy living, you know, and somewhere where we're going to have fun, and somewhere we can, you know, still just maintain, uh, you know, that level of kind of you know, social life and being able to go out and, and kind of, you know, blow off some steam once in a while. So, um, you know, to walk into a town like this, I mean, it's a, it's a dream. And so, uh, you know, I definitely plan on getting down there a little bit more and checking it out a little bit, but, um, yeah, so far everything's been uh, fantastic on our end. Well, you gotta, Not- go, you gotta go into the restaurants because the new players in town are going to need you to tell them what's good and what's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, I'll, I'll do my best, but, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely say talk to Mark Shelley. Cause he's, he, cause when I met him, we went to really good place. You definitely have to talk to him for stuff like then. Like I said, just even Greenville, Asheville's not too far away either. So you can go up to the mountains and go check that out too. But mm-hmm. I do want to ask, I do want to ask, cause I know on, we checked out elite prospects cause you know, we want to get to know our guests and stuff like that. And I saw that you played for the Philadelphia flyer juniors. Like what, like, have you talked to Mark? Have you guys like been able to talk about the flyers recently or is it mostly just been getting in the office, getting ready to go and stuff like that? Like how's that experience just talking to, you know, another like Pennsylvania guy and Mark, if you've been able to talk to him at all. Yeah, we haven't do- we we haven't gotten into that a whole lot yet. But uh, again, just with everybody in the office, like everybody's been so friendly. Everybody's been so so great so far. So I mean, it's you know mostly been head down in the office with Lordo and just plugging away. Um, but uh, you know, everybody's been been great to me so far. So um, again, just top to bottom with this organization. I mean, they they from the start, you know, kind of have this mantra of just you know, getting the right people in the room, you know, and really just investing in people and making sure that the, the you know, the, the personality traits are there, you know, and the ones that are conducive to winning, conducive to running a good organization. And, that, you know, it, it's been that to a T, you know, since I've walked in the building. So, um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, uh, you know, <laughs> sure. as time goes on here. We got a lot of time on the road together, right. you know, a lot of time in the building together. So we'll, we'll get to just about everything I bet. Yeah, for sure. Final final question from us here. Uh, with about six weeks left to go in the uh, in the off season, we're going to start to see the rookie development camps and the player development camps uh, come alive in the NHL shortly. Uh, what does that next six weeks look like for you guys as you begin to hone in on uh, what the Kings might give you as we approach the upcoming season? Yeah, we we just want to be as prepared as possible, and that's in every different facet. So obviously, from a hockey perspective, uh, we want these guys walking into you know a very structured system and, and very clear details on what the expectations are, how we want to play, uh, and how we're going to go about doing that. Um, you know, and then off the ice, there's a lot of details as well, and just making sure things are set for the guys when they get here. They don't have any issues. They walk in. It's easy. It's simple. Uh, and all they got to worry about is, is coming to work. And, and so really it's just, 
you know, kind of that balance of on and off ice. But, um, you know, I'm sure in the next month we will dive, you know, do a deep dive into, into the hockey side and really just trying to figure out what is the identity of this team? How do we want to play the game? And how are we going to make sure as a staff we're moving towards that uh, every day? And again, Lordo is very, very invested in the process he's very detail oriented and he's an extremely hard worker so when you do those things consecutively day in and day out i think good things are going to happen so uh you know again we're showing up every day with the intention of just moving this thing forward you know inch by inch and i think we've done that so far but uh there's a long way to go so we're just trying to maximize every single day uh do what we have to do to help these guys and uh once they're in town it's it's time for the fun stuff and getting on the ice with these guys so i can't wait for that Awesome. Sounds good. Let us uh, check back in with you here as we get ready to go uh, into the season. Congratulations on the move, man. Uh, all the best to you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. All right. We'll yeah, no, sorry. Thanks yeah, so much. Looking forward, to, looking forward to talk to you in person uh, as the season goes on. So, yeah, like, so congratulations, and you know, hopefully we have, we're looking forward to the upcoming season here in Greenville. Oh, yeah, same here. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, thanks very much. Kyle. There goes Kyle Mountain, the assistant coach of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, joining Andrew Lord there behind the bench in Greenville. Your thoughts on uh, on the first chat with Mr. Mountain? No, great conversation. You know, great guy. Really looking forward to just you know being able to meet with him, meet him in person, you know, during the season and stuff like that. And looking forward to see you know, him and, you know, Lordo and just do their thing and see what Greenville could do. Cause like, like we talked about when we were with Kyle, like finishing fourth last year in the East, a really tough South division, mm-hmm. you know, we get Florida to go back to back and you got all the other teams that are fine with each other. It's going to be a very interesting season for Greenville, but really looking forward to just see what Kyle and Lordo, and Lordo can do for the Greenville Swamp Rabbits this year. But great first great guess like yeah. way to start way to kick it off right <laughs> that's, that's right that's all you brother that is all you good pull on that and uh, uh yeah you you mentioned it that that south division uh is going to be an absolute slobber knocker this mm-hmm. year not only do you have the two-time and defending kelly cup champs in in florida now you have a uh an equally as good south carolina team we don't quite know yeah. what the identity of atlanta is going to be with Derek nesbitt behind the bench mm-hmm. um you know, we know where South Carolina is going to be, and Norfolk is showing signs of getting up off the mat as well with a dual, uh, well, with a primary affiliation and a handshake affiliation, and with what Jeff Carr can do there as a, as a head coach. We saw glimpses of that last year with an absolutely decimated roster. Now he's yeah. going to have another year plus prospects on that roster. It'll be interesting to see what Norfolk can do uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, well, as you talked you, about, you, top you, yeah, it, yeah, and you look at Savannah too, second yeah. season, you know, the, yeah, I mean, for the fact they're almost top five in attendance already, says something about just how Savannah and all their fans have already gotten behind this team. So it's interesting what they do season two. And then Jacksonville, we all know what Jacksonville can do. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they unfortunately, buys here knocked out greenville in the playoffs so it's just it it is a very tough division even i wouldn't even overlook orlando orlando could do some do some damage to say yeah Yeah. i would say if you're talking about like i would even say like it's almost like a division of death if you want to think of it that way it is just absolutely brutal from top to bottom i don't think there's really even a bad team in this division honestly so no 
it's no. definitely it's definitely one to keep an eye because like the other divisions have some teams here and there that are good. Some are kind of in certain areas that you're kind of figuring out what's next for them. But if you look at the South, I don't really see where you see any. If there is a weakness. No, it's very it's very minimal at best. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, and and basically, when you, and when you talk, it's a tough division. Yeah, yeah. And when you talk about playing. Um, 70 to 80 percent of your games all year within that division um, yeah that's that's brutal yeah like almost game one almost from game one you gotta be going yes because because it's like you can't it's like you really can't lose a season in the first like you can't lose your season in month one will you really put yourself behind the eight ball in month one especially with all like you said 80% of division games, yeah. that's tough. That is yeah. really tough to get through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks very much to Kyle Mountain and to Mark Shelley, the uh, PR director for the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, for setting up that interview. We look forward to having Kyle back on the podcast here as the season goes along. Welcome back to the Coastcast. Our thanks to Kyle Mountain, the assistant coach of the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, for joining us. Uh, I think we're going to try and have a guest for you uh, on just about every podcast that we do here uh, going forward. Our next one uh, will be here in a couple weeks because I have uh, a long week next week, and then we'll uh, get some more uh, news under our belt. Got some things to tidy up before we go on video. And uh, when we do that, we will have that on our uh, we'll have that on our YouTube channel, and you can watch that at Field Pass Hockey. And then we'll also be um, we'll, we're still tinkering on whether we're going to do uh, on the social medias or not X, Twitter, Instagram, whatever <laughs> wherever we're going to be. Uh, <laughs> we'll let you know. Follow us on Twitter X at the underscore coast underscore cast. Uh, that is. <laughs> At the co- the underscore coast underscore cast on Twitter X. So, um, any final thoughts from you before we shut her down here in episode number one? No, um, you know, just appreciate everyone who listened to the first episode. Big thank you to Kyle for jo- uh, jumping on. I know getting him on, you know, right away, first guest of the episodes of our entire podcast, which is amazing. So, big shout out to him and Mark for ma- making it work out, but. No, really enjoy this one. Now we're bringing the boat back into the harbor. You know, yeah. we got out there, cast right. some nets, you know, caught some good game, and now we're now we're just bringing it back to tidy up for the night and shut her down and turn the lights off and you That's know right. wait until we have to go back out on the on the waters again and uh, talk about the amazing league that is the ECHL. So no, right. honestly, great first episode in my yes. opinion. But yeah. yeah, big shout out to everyone. Thank you for everyone who did listen to this episode. So we're looking forward to more as we uh, go along. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that this is going to be uh, a great dynamic uh, between you and I, and, and I'm really excited to see uh, what the season has ahead for us as we uh, continue down, as we continue to main, as we continue to skim the waters, if you will. <laughs> if, we're, if we're using a nautical term, we're just skimming the waters. Uh, I, I mean, why not, right? We are the coast cast for a reason. <laughs> that's right. So, so, that's so right. Why, why not go some nautical puns? That, it's, that's right. So hey, lean into the brand. We got to lean into right, it. Lean into bit. it. <laughs> lean into it. So uh, make sure that we didn't leave our, our sandals on the boat. We're going to get off the boat, get off the dock and walk back up the coast and 
We will talk to you again here in a couple of weeks. Thank you all so very much for listening. Again, if you like the podcast, please, please, please download it as part of the Hockey Podcast Network or wherever you're finding your podcast, we're going to be there. And uh, we're looking forward to a great relationship with Kyle and Dylan of the Hockey Podcast Network and everybody else there as well. They've all been very welcoming in our time there uh, already. So... That is going to do it for us. On the right side of the screen, it is Zach Martin. Well, on the, on the, well, I don't know. He's on audio, on video, he's on my right side. Uh, but on, on, he may be in your right ear, bud, too. I don't know. But uh, anyway, for the man on the other <laughs> side of the glass, it is Zach Martin. I am Matthew Harding. Thank you all very much for listening. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks when we bring the Coast Cast back out into the water for episode number two. Until then, be well. Until then, be well. And we'll talk to you again soon. This has been the Coast Cats, giving you a look at AA hockey in North America. Want to hear more? Download the show on any major podcast platform and support the Hockey Podcast Network. Stay current on all the news, listen to live games, and other podcasts covering the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the Field Pass Hockey app.